think you see a picture of me from about 10 years ago in your bulletin, uh, which gives a little bit of an explanation about who in the world this guy is standing up here. So just kind of ignore the photo. And uh, I think the information is fairly accurate there. Uh, I think this is my third connection with Holt. My first connection here with Holt, I live in Parkville, by the way, been I'm from uh, the cornfields of Ohio, so um, it feels good to get out here and breathe a little bit compared to living down there toward the city. Uh, my first connection here was, I don't know if it was a year, year and a half ago, my son bought a truck up here. He, down there at the feed store, you know, the little consignment, and there was a, there's a black, there was a black F-250. And I don't know if anybody in here was the owner of that thing, but, uh, and I don't know why a 16-year-old needs an F-250, but nonetheless, uh, he paid for it with, with cash, and uh, we had a good experience up here and have had a great experience with the truck, uh, even though it had 180,000 miles on it when he got it. But um, my son is quite a businessman and has a, a uh, literally a blowing and going lawn mowing business with commercial equipment and everything. So I guess he needed that F-250. Um, so that was my first connection with Holt. The second one was uh, Dakota, but that was via Jeff Parks. So some of you remember Jeff Parks, Cornerstone Baptist Church, used to be there in Lawson. Now they're meeting out on 92 east of Kearney. And I have, I have probably taught the Bible in Cornerstone Baptist Church, I'm going to guess probably 60 times in the 15 years I've been here. I've just That includes Sunday mornings, but also conferences. They've often done little conferences. And so I've had quite a relationship with Jeff through the years and that church. And then Jeff was excited to introduce me to Dakota and uh, kind of t talk about what God is doing here in this church, and so we have begun getting together once a month. I guess we've done it twice now, and uh, the last Friday uh, of, the, of the month, we get together and just, just enjoy fellowship together, and so that has been my second connection here uh, with Holt. Now, this is my third one today, so we'll see how this goes. But I want you to turn in your Bible. Uh, most importantly, we're going to get into the Bible here, enough with the, with the, uh, the background uh, to Romans chapter 16, Romans chapter 16, Romans 16, I'm going to read verses 1 through 16, and bear with me as I make an attempt at some of these names that you will see. So Romans 16, start at verse 1, I commend to you our sister Phoebe a servant of the church at Sincrea, that you may welcome her in the Lord in a way worthy of the saints and help her in whatever she may need from you, for she has been a patron of many and of myself as well. Greet Prisca and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus, who risked their necks for my life, to whom not only I give thanks, but all the churches of the Gentiles give thanks as well. Greet also the church in their house. Greet my beloved Eponidas, who was the first convert to Christ in Asia. 
Greet Mary, who has worked hard for you. Greet Andronicus and Junia, my kinsmen and my fellow prisoners. They are well known to the apostles, and they were in Christ before me. Greet Impliatus, my beloved in the Lord. Verse 9. Greet Urbanus, our fellow worker in Christ, and my beloved Stachys. Greet Apelles, who is approved in Christ. Greet those who belong to the family of Aristobulus. Greet my kinsman Herodian. Greet those in the Lord who belong to the family of Narcissus. Greet those workers in the Lord, Tryphena and Tryphosa. Greet the beloved Persis who has worked hard in the Lord. Greet Rufus, chosen in the Lord. Also his mother, who has been a mother to me as well. There's your Mother's Day verse, by the way, verse 13. Verse 14, greet Asyncritus, Phlegon, Hermes, Patrobus, Hermas, and the brothers who are with them. Greet Philologus, Julia, Nerus, and his sister, and Olympus, and all the saints who are with them. Greet one another with a holy kiss. All the churches of Christ greet you. Well, let's pray together. Lord, I just am grateful to think that this is all part of your your providence that we would be here today and that um, even a year ago, I couldn't have predicted this. I had no idea, but here we are, and you have so arranged this moment in this day and this time for us to be here like this. And I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for how um, you have worked in so many of the lives that are represented here that though we did not care at one time, though we were wandering, we were dead in our trespasses and sins, you, you raised us from the dead and you gave us uh, new life and, you, and our affections are different now and we actually care when we didn't before. And we, we love to think about Jesus and hear from him and, and listen to him and and um, live in light of the reality that we are forgiven and, and uh, that you love us and you're for us. And so when we think about moving forward, we, we don't think about doing it in the strength that we provide, but in the strength that you provide. And so I pray that would happen today as we look into this text, that your people would be encouraged and inspired and motivated and helped by what we consider. And that those who are not your people would would be compelled and drawn to this glorious gospel that makes us, makes us a family. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So when you, when you think of Romans, you, you probably um, don't think about Romans 16, honestly. I mean, it's not, not the, the most famous chapter in Romans. I mean, you might think of Romans 8. Some of you maybe have memorized portions or all of Romans 8, or uh, you might think of Romans 1, very, very timely uh, portion of Scripture, especially the last part of Romans 1, and just to think about what are we seeing culturally today and the depravity of man. You might think, some of you like to dig into Romans 9, 10, and 11, and, and think a lot about Israel and the Gentiles and what all of that means 
and what does it mean now and what does it mean for the future. But you probably don't think about Romans 16 and especially all of these names. Some of them not weird names, some of them very weird names, at least to us in our culture and in our day. However, one man a long, long time ago said it is possible even from bare names to find a great treasure. And I think that's true as we consider this portion of Scripture. We're going to find a treasure here. In fact, what I want us to do is I want us just to think about Romans 16 and these 16 verses. And I want us to think about three characteristics of the church that are realities. These characteristics of the church are realities. But at the same time, they are characteristics that we should pursue and or embrace. So pretty simple. Three characteristics of the church that, that are realities. But yet, these realities, we should pursue them and or we should embrace them uh, in, in our churches and in our lives. So what's the first one? Uh, characteristic number one that we see here in Romans 16 is the church is one body in Christ. That's it. The church is one body in Christ. Uh, I don't know if you heard it just that one time reading through. Um, but there is a repetition of in the Lord, in Christ, in Christ Jesus. In fact, at least in my translation, I counted 10 times you have in the Lord, in Christ, in Christ Jesus. So, for example, verse 3, greet Prisca and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus. Or down there in verse 7, greet Andronicus and Junia, my kinsmen and my fellow prisoners. They are well known to the apostles and they were in Christ before me. So outside of Jesus, we are in darkness. Uh, we came into the world that way. We, we loved sin. We were enemies of God. We were under his wrath. Romans 5, you don't need to turn there. Just, I just want to trace something here for you. Romans 5 says, since therefore... We have now been justified by his blood. Much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. Verse 10, for if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. And so we are rescued. We are saved. This text says through his blood, through the, the work of Christ, through the cross of Christ and his resurrection. So then, the reality, when that is applied to your life, the reality is then Romans 8, 1, there is therefore now, you can complete it, okay, no condemnation for those who are in Christ. So, Individually, that's a reality for anybody who, who is a Christian, who is a believer. But then, when Romans 8.1 happens, when Romans 8.1 is a reality, Romans 12.5 is the result. Romans 
Romans 12, 5 is, is one of the results. Let me start at verse 4 of Romans 12, for as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another. So in Christ, we have this union with Christ, which is established when we trust in Christ. When we, when we look to him, when we repent and believe in Jesus and are saved, and so we are consequently shares of Christ and all the benefits of salvation. That happens individually, but then Romans 12, 5 says we share this together as this body. So you're in Christ individually, and then that puts you into this body that is in Christ corporately, and so Romans 12, 5, this one body, many members, one body, it's, it's kind of neat because it's pictured for us, in, in part, in Romans 16. You know, so you're just not reading all these names that don't count. You know, just blip over so we can get to the next thing in our Bible reading program. You're reading names of people who are actually, this is an astounding thought that just comes to mind. These are actually people who are part of the same family you are. And one day you're going to be able to go and talk to them and, and interact with them and this is this one body in Christ. So this is why if you're in Christ and I'm in Christ, I can walk in here. It's pretty remarkable, isn't it? We instantly, our brother, I mean, we're already, but I mean, we're, we're, we're experiencing the reality that, that I'm your brother. You're my sister. You're my brother. We're just part of this one family, this one body. And we like each other. At least we should. Um, I think we love each other. We, it's like not even difficult to engage with one another if we're believers. We could, we could go hang out afterwards and have a great time uh, just talking about the Lord and talking about his church. This is, this is the reality here. The church is one body in Christ. Now, within this family, there are, yes, smaller units. We even see this in Romans 16 and, and in, in Rome. So uh, maybe most obviously, he mentions... Prisca and Aquila in verse 3. And he says, greet also, verse 5, greet also the church in their house. So in Rome, you had, it was a just, people were on top of each other. It was unsanitary in many ways. You had just, just scabs of the hundreds of thousands of people on top of each other. And so within that city, you had this one meeting location that we're, we're hearing about here, Priscilla, Prisca, and Aquila. So there was a church that met in their house there. But then I also believe there are other churches, smaller units mentioned here in Romans 16. So look at verse 14, for example. Greet, verse 14, greet Asyncritus, Phlegon, Hermes, Patrobus, Hermes, and the brothers who are with them just has the sound of another little body of believers there in Rome. Or verse 15, same thing, greet Philologus, which is one of the greatest names in the Bible. Greet Philologus, Julia, Nerus, and his sister, and Olympus, and all the saints who are with them. So you've got s smaller individual units of, you know, you could say smaller bodies that are part of this one great body uh, in Christ. And, and then you just... You just see, um, what else? You see 
within this family, the individual churches, you've got the church in Rome, you see in verse 16, look at the end of verse 16, all the churches of Christ greet you. So you've got, that's another kind of unit or thinking about multiple units. Uh, you've got Paul, who at this point was especially at- attached to the church in Antioch. You have, uh, who is he commending early in Romans 16? He's commending Phoebe. Phoebe came from the church where? In Sincrea. So you've got individual units, but all together are part of this one body in Christ. The church is one body in Christ. And God created this through the death of his son. And so just two thoughts flow out of this. Number one, we ought to think very, very highly of our church, of of our local church. Christ gave his life for this this little body to come together like this and to worship him. And um, so uh, the, the picture of our lives is not to be kind of, in a sense, um, we wouldn't say it like this, like we're at the center and, and th- other things that go on in our lives revolve around us, including the church. Um, I mean, this is not my illustration. Many have said this before, but you get the point, though. Really, the idea is Christ and his bride are here at the center, and, and we kind of revolve our lives around that. And, and that, that is the center of our lives, is our relationship with one another as we are with Christ and relate to Christ. We're very individualistic. Even, even devotional material is so often just written about the individual. And yes, absolutely, we must repent and believe individually and personally. We come into this union with Christ individually. However, we need to be thinking more corporately. Even reading our Bibles and understanding certain passages sometimes in the corporate sense. So I have a dear friend who says the gospel is more than a message that brings us to God. It is a message that brings us to God together. So I appreciated how you greeted each other this morning because there's this weird idea out there that we're just going to come in and be very quiet and sit down and And, uh, you know, that's reverential. And I get there's a point when we should be quiet and still and listen. But but we're one body. We're a family. We're greeting each other and loving each other. So we ought to love uh, here. We we should think very highly of our church and love it. And then second of all, flowing out of this idea that the church is one body in Christ, we should be very interested in keeping up with this one body beyond our local body. So let me give you an illustration. The email comes for, I don't know, what's the grocery store up here? Is Price Chopper up here? Do you go to Price Chopper? The email comes, and some of you are very, maybe very excited about the, the Price Chopper email that has the coupons. And, man, you'll just scour that email and just click and get in there and find out how much you're going to save. Well, then, let's say the same day the email comes from the missionary. And, I mean, this is just like testimony time, but 
I'm kind of like, well, I'll, I'll get to it eventually. Have you ever been there? Well, God help us to, to be more interested in what God is doing globally than what the manager at Price Chopper is deciding locally. Right? May God help us. The church is one body in Christ. Christ gave his life for this body. We ought to just be interested in, in our local bodies, and we ought to just be so engaged beyond even what God is doing around the world. Now, here's a second characteristic. What else does, does Romans 16 tell us about the church? It's a characteristic that is true, but it's something we should pursue, something we should embrace. Number two, the church is a diverse group of believers. It's a diverse group of believers. I'm not talking about diversity of opinion about the gospel. That's not, no, no. We're not diverse there. Uh, we, we have already established there is unity in the gospel. So th there is diversity, though, among God's people who believe the one true gospel. So notice, just in this list of names here, Paul didn't greet men only, but men and women. I think I counted eight or nine of the 26 names in, in this greetings list are women. Prisca, Mary, maybe Junia, could be Junius, a man. Tryphena, Tryphosa, Persis, Rufus's mother, Julia, and Nerus's sister. So uh, this may not seem very important to us today, but it was countercultural for Paul to include these women on this list. But he got it, didn't he? The church is this one body in Christ made up of this diversity of people, men and women. Uh, Paul didn't just greet Jews like Prisca and Aquila and also his kinsmen Andronicus and Junia and Herodian, but also among the 26 names on this list are Gentiles. And look at the names in verses 8 and 9. You see those names? Impliatus, Urbanus, Stachys, those were common slave names. So Paul didn't just greet free men, but he also greeted slaves. And then look at verse 13. Greet Rufus, chosen in the Lord. Have you ever read this and wondered why does he say chosen in the Lord? Have you ever wondered that? Well, aren't they all chosen in the Lord? Well, yeah, but for some reason, he had to say of Rufus, he wanted to say of Rufus, and he did. Ruf, greet Rufus, chosen in the Lord. By the way, this may be the son of Simon of Cyrene. I, we can't know that for sure. Um, I wonder if the reason he said, greet Rufus, chosen in the Lord, is because of who Rufus was before he was a Christian. I mean, I, I'm just, this is just speculation. Maybe that's a bad word to use uh, in the church, but I, I'm just kind of guessing a little bit here, but I, I would love to know one day that the reason Paul said, greet Rufus chosen in the Lord is because of who Rufus was before Christ. And maybe he was so bad, such a notorious wicked sinner, that the only way you could, you could talk about Rufus, yeah, you could talk about everybody this way, but especially somebody like Rufus was. Rufus, chosen in the Lord. That was the only way he was ever going to get out of that darkness into the light. And so, uh, among the point is, among the family of Christ are those who are the most unlikely of 
converts, perhaps uh, men like Rufus, certainly men like Paul, certainly men like, maybe you've heard of Nathan Bedford Forrest, who was a slave trader. At one time, he was the uh, leader of the Ku Klux Klan. And a lady I uh, served with in a Christian ministry for several years wrote one of her best lines ever when she said of Nathan Bedford Forrest, she said, had the Apostle Paul known him, he might have hesitated before declaring himself the chief of sinners. That's how wicked Nathan Bedford Forrest was. Nevertheless, he, even he, was saved by God's grace. There's diversity uh, in, in the body, men and women, Jews and Gentiles, freemen and slaves, notorious sinners, and I'm sure even the prominent in the society and the commoner. There was great diversity among the believers in Rome. What are the implications for us today in our churches? Well, first of all, this magnifies God's extensive grace. It's just good to remember that. Just give glory to God. Rejoice. This magnifies his extensive grace. Uh, Second of all, I hope this shows you that Jesus then saves all types of people from all types of backgrounds. He saves even the worst sinners who repent and believe in his son. And, you know, um, I, I just, again, we don't know each other. I don't know who has what reputation in this body that's gathered here today. But what I do know is that we are all um, born in sin. And I know that Jesus will save you if you repent of your sins and believe in Jesus Christ. I know it's true. It doesn't matter what your background, where you're from. This diversity means Jesus welcomes any, from any background, even the worst who come to him to be saved. And then third, I hope this diverse list of believers in Romans 16 helps you to see that even if you feel like you're a little different than other believers around you, uh, a different different look or uh, a different skill set or a different background, even if that is the case, you have an important place in this wonderful family, in this body of Christ. You you might say, I just don't feel like I fit in. The reality is you do. You absolutely do. In Christ. And by the way, some of us who kind of, you know, get to be up here in the front and kind of think we're all that sometimes, which is ridiculous. And some of us who are kind of sharp, kind of impressive, always getting asked to do things in the church, we got to get over ourselves. Because a lot of times what we're doing is we're kind of acting all, you know, proud, and we're, we're not welcoming those who are not like us, who are different, maybe, maybe who don't have the speaking gifts, but they, they are incredible servants. We've got a guy in our church who, uh, I'll tell you, he's, he is never, ever going to be invited to come and speak anywhere. But he's there. He participates. He's, well, we have a, 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 the Lord's Supper every night. We have uh, every Sunday. We, we have a meal. And I guarantee you tonight, he 
when we're sitting around and everybody's kind of done, he's going to get up and he's going to grab the paper plates and collect them and put them in the trash. And you would get around this guy and uh, you might get a little annoyed or even offended sometimes at some of his disposition in his way. But I'm telling you, the gospel means he counts. So here are these characteristics of the church. Um, the church is one body in Christ. The church is a diverse group of believers. And then third, third, uh, the church is careful to love one another. The church is careful to love one another. So you've got, and I'm, I'm not the first one to say this from this text, but it's just right there. So you've got unity in, the, in Christ. You've got diversity among those who are in Christ. And then now we're thinking about love in that body. And the church is careful to love one another. We see this a number of ways in Romans 16, such as, first of all, Paul's greeting so many people by name. Did you see that? Did you ever think of that? And what is pretty fascinating here, Paul had not been to Rome. So we know he had spent some time elsewhere with at least Prisca and Aquila, and it seems he would have spent some time elsewhere with some of these other individuals that were part of this, this church and, and among these people in these greetings. Um, but he just, what, it's just fascinating that he, he remembers people by name and he uses their names and he greets them by name. And I just think there has to be something here about remembering believers' names. Um, that is an expression of love. And I can imagine some of these people just welling up inside when they heard their names among these greetings. I mean, they're just sitting there. They're hearing Romans read, probably beginning to end. And they get to the greetings at the end, and all of a sudden, you know, greets, greets, so-and-so, greets, so-and-so. And, and uh, you know, Tryphena and Tryphosa, they're there, these, these ladies, and they hear their names. And I could just imagine, oh, he, he remembers us. He, he cares for us. And what's, what's pretty neat to me about this is Paul was brilliant. I mean, we're in Romans, right? I mean, read Romans and you say, Paul, the guy was sharp. Um, yet, he wasn't so intellectual and scholarly and that he wasn't personal and pastoral and caring and loving. I think it's just a good, it's a good thing for, for you leaders here just to remember. I mean, yeah, you remember the names of everybody, but um, just, just the heart, just the disposition. And I think as this church grows, which I anticipate this church will grow, one of the challenges you're going to have, uh, because, by the way, living things grow typically. And I just, I just think there's life here and, and good movement, and, and the trajectory is one I think that the Lord is, is, is honoring, and it's, it's wonderful, but you're going to get a little bigger and then a little bigger, and it's going to become easy to uh, just kind of hang out with your own little tight little circle. In one sense, that's okay, but in another sense, we've, we've got to have this, this heart for a broader group here, and part of demonstrating love is remembering names. Now, don't, I've already 
forgotten names. I'm already disobeying what I'm saying here from people that introduced themselves when I first got here. But you get the point, though. The point is over a period of time. It's just an expression of love. Love in the family of Christ in Rome is seen in Paul's kind and encouraging designations as well of a number of these people. In other words, Paul was careful to show love specifically with his words, not just their names, but what he said about these people. So he calls Prisca and Aquila my fellow workers in Christ Jesus. He calls Eponidas and Pliatus and Stachys my beloved. He calls Andronicus and Junia my fellow prisoners. In verse 10, he says, Apelles is approved in Christ. He didn't have to say that. He, he didn't have to say he was approved in Christ. What, what is he saying? He's, he's saying that he had been tested for his faith and he persevered. He was the real deal. And Paul just says this. He just writes it forever now. And we're talking about it today. He's, he says in verse, uh, I don't know what verse it is. When does he mention Tryphena and Tryphosa? Uh, he mentions in verse 12. Yeah, did you see what he said of those ladies? A work, they're workers in the Lord. Their names mean dainty and delicate. So some have wondered if they were twin sisters, dainty and delicate, mighty forces for Christ's kingdom. Paul says, Persis worked hard in the Lord. I just, we ought always to talk warmly and kindly about one another in the church. What are we doing? What, is, what have we been doing the past three years? What are we doing in, this, in the church? I am telling you, it has been divisive. I, I went to a, a, a pastor's, or a, it was really a, our church is part of this network of churches, and it was in Ohio, 40 churches or so represented. And I mean, it has been a slog. It has been difficult. This was back last year. And I just think, what are we doing? Where, where has the gospel gone in our, in our hearts and in our minds that we're, we're so focused on this one thing that we can't just love our brother or sister who's different than us so much so that we haven't even loved, we haven't even like, ignored them, but we talked about them behind their backs. It's the Don Carson statement, you know, the only time you ever put somebody down is if you're putting them down on your prayer list. How are, we, how are you talking about other believers for whom Christ died when they're not around? We see love in the family that love characterized the church through descriptions of some of these individuals in more detail. He says, Prisca and Aquila, where is that? Verse, verse 2, or verse 3, I'm sorry, Prisca and Aquila, verse 4, what did they do? They risked their necks for my life. We don't know when that happened exactly, but that was a church-loving, risk-taking, Christ-exalting husband and wife team. Paul mentions Mary, who has worked hard for you. I mean, that is a godly lady right there, Mary, who has worked hard for you. That's all. Wouldn't it be, what a thing, you know? You get, to, you get to the end of your life, and one of the things that's said about you is, yeah, she worked hard for the Lord in the church. Maybe she was a single lady 
Maybe her husband wasn't a believer. We don't know. But what we know, she didn't pout. She, she exhausted herself for Christ's bride. Okay, and then verse 13. Look at verse 13. Here's her Mother's Day verse. Paul says to greet Rufus' mother, who has been a mother to me as well. Um, you know, maybe Paul didn't have a mom at that time when he had this experience with this lady. Uh, perhaps his mom was an unbeliever. We just don't know. Um, maybe, not maybe, definitely Rufus's mom was a special lady who just saw Paul's presence as an opportunity to serve him because he was about the advance of the gospel. So she, I, I envision her kind of like Mrs. Tinkle. Mrs. Tinkle. This is a real lady. First name is Carolyn, but I, the last name. I, I stayed in Mr. and Mrs. Tinkle's house in Texas a few years ago. Uh, I and another man were down there for ministry in a church. And so we were just kind of going out, exhausting ourselves during the day. We'd come back to the house. Uh, she didn't know when we were going to come back. She, she didn't know exactly. I don't know how she did. I know how she did the first part. The first part, we'd walk into the house. And um, right there on the counter were two kind of cold bottles of water just waiting on us. Well, that, I can understand. She sees us pulling in the driveway. She gets in the fridge. She puts the bottles of water on the counter. We grab the bottles of water. But then we go to the steps in order to go up to our rooms. And this is what I don't understand. But at the base of the steps, she had two warm towels. Like you picked them up, and they're just warm, waiting on us. Mrs. Tinkle is like a mother to us. I mean, that's what moms do. They do these things that you, they do them, and then you're like, how did that happen? I don't know, but this mom, she just is amazing like that. And amazing in this sense here is doing whatever it took behind the scenes to serve a brother who is about gospel advance. I tell my wife all the time, I, I have to die first because... If you die before me, man, I am going to be kind of helpless. And, and I think it's true about moms as well. And so it's just a, it's a wonderful illustration designation. And I'll bet there are many moms in here, even if, by the way, even if, if, if the Lord hasn't blessed you with children, he's blessed you with an opportunity to be like a mother to those in the body who need help to be like a mother to those in the body who are about gospel advance in some of these public speaking opportunities. And notice Paul, finally, calls for love in the family of Christ in a couple of places. Look at verses 1 and 2. He says, I commend to you our sister Phoebe, a servant of the church at Sincrea, that you may welcome her in the Lord in a way worthy of the saints and help her in whatever she may need from you for she has been a patron of many and of myself as well there's that kind of hospitality idea receiving her welcoming her and then verse 16 greet one another with a holy kiss or as the uh, phillips paraphrase says and we prefer this one for sure in our culture give one another a hearty handshake all around 
for my sake. And so I don't, I don't think you have to literally kiss somebody. My wife is from New Jersey. I'm from Ohio. We do not kiss in the family, like relatives and aunts and uncles. And it was an eye-opener when the first time I went out to the East Coast and, and that family. And so cultures are different. I get that. But the idea, I don't think the idea is you have to actually literally do the holy kiss thing. The, the idea is, you know, you got to kind of act like you like each other when, when they come through the door, when you see them out and about around town or whatever, because you do, because you're part of this one body in Christ. One of my favorite illustrations of quick obedience to this idea happened in Ethiopia. I've been to Ethiopia a bunch of times to, for training church leaders and in Ethiopia, it's just culture that they greet one another with a kiss. So, and it's kind of the, okay, you know that? A lot of cultures, Italy and other cultures, but they do that in, in Ethiopia as well. So we were ministering actually in a church. It wasn't just church leaders. It was a, just a large group of people, maybe 150 or 200 people during a weekday, and I noticed something was happening among these people. Um, I, I would show up, I showed up multiple days to the church building, and I wasn't, they weren't greeting me. It was very odd, because culturally, they just greet each other. But in the church, well, you ought to greet each other with a holy kiss, meaning there's, it's pure, righteous, but they weren't doing that. They had gotten into this idea that as soon as you enter into the church building, you go into have a little private worship experience between you and God, which is just nowhere found in Scripture, number one. Then number two, they were not even obeying this category, this idea here of extending this kind of love. So uh, Ethiopians, they love, number one, they love stories. But then number two, they love it when you say, all right, I want to talk to you very directly about something in your life. They love that. And so I said that to them, and they kind of sat up. And I explained to them, you know, culturally, the culture is doing a better job uh, than you have done toward me, if I can just be honest, of greeting. I said, we're brother and sister in Christ, and I should be able to welcome you and not, not be afraid I'm going to interrupt a worship experience. And you should, we should be welcoming one another. Christ died that we might be united, even though I'm from the United States and you're from Ethiopia. And so I gave them the big spiel, and they just received it, and I'm going on, and I finish. And as soon as I am done, this stream of older ladies especially come up and one by one just start kissing me all over. And I love that quick obedience. So, unity, one body in Christ, diversity. We're a diverse group of believers who are careful to love one another. Key characteristics of the church in Rome, by God's grace, you can be a church and will be a church and are a church like that. I hope you appreciate the unity and diversity of the body. There is diversity here, by the way. 
I mean, again, I grew up in the cornfields of Ohio. We all looked alike. We all thought alike. And somehow we still had conflict. Because we're just different still. And positively, we're different in the church. United in Christ, diverse among that unity. It's exactly how God has designed it. And so then may God help you to increase in love, pursue it and embrace it. Let me just give one final illustration of that. Jeff Parks, Pastor Jeff Parks at Cornerstone, friends. I don't know if you've noticed this about Jeff. Jeff is, um, and he, he knows this. He's not the most outward, affectionate kind of guy. He's kind of stoic. It's fine. He's, he's a brother. We're all a little bit different in that category. There's a spectrum. So uh, we've just become dear friends. And so that, that, you know, when you're friends, that entails, you know, communication. So you, you send, you know, texts and emails well, one day I was communicating with Jeff. I sent him an email. He sends an email back to me. And at the end of the email, it said, Love, Jeff. And I looked at that and I thought, Ooh. <laughs> it's like, Oh, he, okay, he must have forgotten the in Christ, you know, love in Christ. Then it would have been palatable between men. So, oh, well. So I go on a couple weeks later. He sends me another email, and you know what was at the bottom of it. Love, Jeff. And I thought, ooh. And, um, and I thought, what is going on here? This is not... This is not how we communicate. Maybe my teenage daughters, when they send a whatever to each other, they may say that, but not. So I asked Jeff about it. Jeff, brother, what is, what are you doing saying love at the end? And the, the best um, memory I have is he said, well, I love you. You're my brother. And he said, and we've got to recover these words in our culture for Christ. Okay, that's pretty good, isn't it? So I expect the next time Dakota writes me, he's going to tell me he loves me. <laughs> well, Jeff's spirit in his emails is the spirit I hope permeates this church in the days ahead. You may say, I just don't feel that way toward other believers. I think what you have to do in that moment is you have to pray. You have to remember who you are in Christ, who you were and who you are in Christ. Think about God's amazing grace in Christ. One pastor said, if we don't feel a kind of trembling, deep affection for each other in Christ, it's probably because we don't feel very deserving of hell. And we don't feel amazed at our rescue. So in Romans 16, you have various believers, noticeably diverse, 
yet unified in Christ, and they really love each other. It's just compelling to me. I hope it is to you. And it, it is inspiring. I hope it's inspiring to you that you'd find yourself asking questions like this. How should the reality of this one body in Christ that Jesus died to create affect me and my priorities? How should the reality of the diversity among God's people affect my views of others in the church and even my place in the body? And I hope you find yourself asking, how might I excel in love among this diverse yet unified body in Christ? How might, Lord, show me and empower me to be more loving because you first loved me. Let's pray together. Uh, Lord, we're so thankful for this family you've put us in. We're so thankful for the, um, the design of the family, various gifts, various personalities even. Um, we're so thankful that we have experienced your love and we have all no. There's no doubt we have all experienced the love of one another, but may we, may we experience it more that, that the gospel may just flourish among us and that a watching world may look and see that we love one another and ultimately be pointed to Christ in whose name we pray. Amen.